Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, moderator of meaningful conversations and convener of community. Whether you are or know someone who is battling multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, type 1 diabetes, scleroderma, lupus, or any of the 24 autoimmune diseases that HSCT can halt, or are simply inspired by transformational journeys, you are in the right place. As we continue to grow the HSCT warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. We are glad you've joined us. Welcome to Eileen. Thank you so much for participating in this conversation today. Of course. It's great to talk with you and uh, learn more about your experience with HSCT that you received, did you say January 5th of 2017? Correct. Wow. Okay. So let's get started with telling us a little bit more about how you came to find out about HSCT. Well, actually, uh, I had MS for over 20 years at that point, and I kind of always had an inkling that stem cells were going to be an answer somewhere in there. Oh yeah. Interesting. I did. And actually I mentioned it to my neurologist who is in Chicago as well at a different hospital, um, who I really like, but I went to him one day and I said, you know, I, I really think stem cells are going to be the answer. And he was kind of like, well, maybe, you know, we'll see and kind of noncommittal. And so I went home and started researching it myself and I found Dr. Burt. I found the information about him. Good for you. So, How did you find so, it? I just, just Googling, just searching different things. I just, I just kind of had a feeling that that may have somewhere down the line, it seems like that may have, you know, I, I was hopeful that that would be an answer. So I went back to my neurologist um, in Chicago and he came in and he could tell something was up with me. And he said, what's going on? And I said, Richard Burt. <laughs> he said, he said, Northwestern stem cells do it. Wow. So yeah, so that was what got me started on the whole. That's fantastic. On the whole road. So yes. Well, and so you were mentioning you were diagnosed in 97. So almost 20 years. Correct. Before transplant. So Correct. how many different doctors had you seen over the years? And how did you find this doctor that was so supportive? You know, I saw I had gone to Mayo Clinic who made the initial diagnosis and they gave me the name of my doctor in Chicago. And I really did like him. I mean, I still, I still see him. I still like him. Um, I wish he had told me more about this years ago. Sooner. Um, yeah. Right. You know, kind of given even when I brought it up, I wish he had given me a heads up that um, this was a possibility or something to look into, but that's okay. But as far as how many doctors I saw, just my primary care doctor. And then I saw Mayo Clinic and then I went to my doctor in Chicago. So I have not seen a lot of, a lot of different doctors. Which is a good thing, right? Which is a good thing, right? Yeah. I, I've been on many of the DMDs. I've been on, I think nine of the Goodness. different DMDs. Right? So, so did they tend to work for you? They did not. They, um, well, all of them made me feel terrible that sure. I just felt 
I felt ill. I'm not very big. So I think that the generally they're tested on somebody that's a little bit bigger than me and that can make a difference because they don't dose, you know, it's all the same dose, no matter right. if you're, if you're a hundred pounds, if you're 200 pounds, you're still getting the same dose. And sure. I think that makes a difference. And that's, so I just was constantly feeling terrible just every day. And I had three little kids, so that wasn't easy. No, not at all. What were some of your main symptoms? Um, it started back, like I said, in high school, I had vision issues. Um, I had tingling issues and vision issues, balance issues, but very slight. And I just always brushed it off as, okay, it's just one of those things, whatever. And then with each of my three pregnancies, when I, once I started having children with each of my pregnancies, I would have strange things again with tingling or with vision issues, but they would say, oh, pregnancy does strange things to you. You know, it's just related to pregnancy, whatever. Oh, yeah. They love to blame it on pregnancy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But then the day my, my third child was born um, in the hospital, I couldn't feel my feet. I couldn't. My feet were totally. My husband had to stop on the way to the hospital and buy me different shoes because I was like, you know, maybe my shoes are too tight. I don't know what's happening. I can't feel my feet. Well, that's what got the ball rolling where I went to the doctor and then I went to Mayo Clinic and that's what got everything started from there. With getting the diagnosis. Right. So do you think it was related to those? They say that after childbirth, you know, you can have a relapse and it be pretty significant. Well, I think that, like I said, I think that the MS had started prior to that, probably back in the high school years, right, in my right. high school years. But yeah, oh, I'm sure that, that pregnancy maybe triggered it. I also think I had, I had mono and strep when I was 16, and sure. then I had chickenpox when I was 21. Oh, wow. Really, really bad case of chickenpox when I was 21. You know, who knows? I, I think that may have, you know, with that and then with the pregnancies, maybe all of that triggered it. I I wish I knew. <laughs> yeah, right. Or at least triggered more of a relapse, right? Because exactly. Exactly. The system is taxed and told. Exactly. Trying to perform at its highest when you're giving birth, that's not an easy task by any it's means. It's not easy. Right. And your your body is fighting against something and you're unaware of what you're fighting against. So. Yeah, you'd think that um, the research would be further along because certainly there are commonalities. Exactly. But I, I guess so. it's neither here nor there now, right? <laughs> yeah, at least we're at least we're where we're at, so that's a good thing. Yeah, post transplant. So, how have you been doing? You know, I've been doing very well. I've I just feel so much better. I mean, the where my thinking was so cloudy and foggy all the time, that's gone. Wonderful. And where I it used to be that I would go to bed at night so tired and then wake up in the morning, you know, 10 hours later, and I would still be just as tired as I was when I went to bed. Yeah. And that's been amazing to me that I wake up now at, you know, seven in the morning and I feel like, okay, I'm ready to go. You know, I can, I can take a shower and not have to lay down afterward and get through my whole day without taking a nap. And it's, I really feel, you know, to, to somebody just looking at me, yeah, if I get tired, I still walk. My walking is off, not not nearly like it used to be, but my walking can still be a little bit off, sure. especially if I'm tired. But um, but But it's so much better than it was, and I just feel so much better than I did. That's fantastic. 
Congratulations. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Thank so, you. I'm very happy with yeah. that. Yeah. So you received HSCT in 2017 from where? In Chicago? In Chicago at Northwestern, yes. Okay. So I'm curious to know why it was important for you to participate in the podcast. You know what? I am not um, one of those people that can start something on my own and say, okay, here, everybody, here's the information. I'm not, I'm a little bit shy with things like that. So I'm happy to give somebody the information and say, you know what, come and talk to me, but I'm not good at advertising it and saying, I I want people to know about it, but I don't want to put myself out there so much to, to be the one that start. you know, how you've started this, this podcast. I think that's wonderful. Oh, thank you. I, I, you know, I, I give you a lot of credit for that because I don't, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. But yeah, anybody I can help, I would love to. I'll, I'll share my story. I'll give any information. If somebody doesn't doesn't choose to do it, that's their choice. But it is life changing. It's huge. It's it saved me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's. I don't ever want this podcast to be perceived as offering medical advice, right? Or exactly telling exactly. people what to do. But if anything, I'm hopeful that the podcast interviews do help people make informed decisions and find more information and inspiration and connect with even other individuals who have gone through this to just exactly. That's the point. Yes. Yeah. And be able to ask more questions and get more information than the sound bites you get on social media. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, I've tried to, anytime I hear of someone with MS, I, you know, I'll put it out there and say, if you want any information, please contact me, but I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to say you have to do this. So, you know, it's, it's a personal decision and it, it's up to everybody. So, you know, it is, it's very scary to go through it. Actually going through it is not nearly as scary as, as what I thought beforehand. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit more about that because I feel the same way and I love to hear more about other people not necessarily feeling super confident going into it. Like this season started with an episode featuring Katie, who is going to be there actually, I think next week, she is, you know, connected with other veterans who have gone through HSCT and she's super confident. And that's amazing because it's exactly the opposite of where I was going into it. Yeah, that's amazing. That is truly amazing. I know who you're talking about. I know the Katie that you're talking about. I'm going to go down and see her when she's oh, there because wonderful. I'm I'm in the suburbs here. Yeah, because I live in the suburbs. Um, wonderful. So yeah, so what was it like for you and how much information did you even find before going into it? I didn't have a whole lot of information. Uh, I was part of the the Facebook group. So, you know, try to get as much information that you can read. I kind of compare it to pregnancy. And when you're, when you're pregnant, everybody can tell you what it's going to be like and what you're going to go through and what you're going to experience. But until you do it yourself, you don't really know. Sure. It's not, you don't understand it. And it, it was kind of the same thing. So I had all of the information, but I was petrified. You know, you think of doing the pick line and the VASCAF and all that. And I was petrified thinking, oh, I, I wasn't petrified where they say, oh, you can die from it. Okay. Well, I wasn't afraid of that. I was, I knew it was going to help me. I knew I was, that the chances of that were very, very low. And I knew it was going to help me. But, you know, as far as I didn't want it to hurt, I didn't think chemotherapy, I'm going to be so sick. And you know what? It was, you keep a positive attitude. You keep a smile on your face. You keep moving, keep, keep your body moving, keep positive. And it really wasn't 
it was totally doable. Yeah, right. They keep you on those steroids, um, right. anti-nausea meds and all the exactly. things to help you feel good. Exactly. Yeah. I, I basically felt pretty good through the whole, I mean, there's times in there where I can't, I don't even remember it. I'll, my husband or my sister were there with me and I'll, I'll say, wait, wait a minute, what happened? I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't know if it's just because of all the medicine I was on or what I just blocked things out. But for the most part, like I said, I mean, I, I was laughing. I was joking. I was, it was all good. So I would, yeah. if I had to, I would do it again. Right. Absolutely. A hundred percent, a hundred times over, right? Exactly. Exactly. So aside from keeping a positive attitude or mindset, what were some of the other essential components for you? I think the positive attitude was a huge part of it. Um, just staying knowledgeable, talking to people, but like you just said before, not taking medical advice from, unless you're talking to a doctor, don't take the medical advice from lay people. You know, we're just trying to give each other our experience and what we've been through and what, what it's like. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, well, like even having, uh, caregivers there with you, uh, like your husband very and much. your sister, were they exactly. able to stay with you or since you're local to Chicago, were they just staying nearby and visiting you like regularly during the day? Were they there 24 hours with you? Uh, my sister was there most of the time. She spent the, she spent a lot of the nights there with me. My husband came back and forth between from home because we still have one child at home. So he, he came back and forth every day, you know, during the day, but yeah, having a, so my kids and my husband and my sister having that just the positive influence like that was wonderful. That was great. Well, it's wonderful to have their support, right? And to feel exactly at ease when you have something familiar with you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, what about... no, and, and they all knew that it was going to be a good thing too. So everybody was, I don't want to say looking forward to it, but we were, you know, it was, I was excited for it. Yeah. Well, it's time to get on with life, right? It's time exactly. to figure exactly. out if this is the thing that'll help you the most what we're going to do. Right. And I, I just knew it would. That's so tremendous that you even had the feeling that stem cells might be the way to go in the future. Right. And as they, as they will tell you now, you know, it's not necessarily the stem cells that are doing it. It's the chemotherapy, right? but the stem, you know, so, but between the two, you know, the whole protocol is, was doing it and it's, it is life-changing. It's huge. So did you return for like a two-year follow-up with Dr. Burt? Oh, I did. I went in January for my two-year follow-up. Everything still looks good. Everything's Wonderful. still in, in remission, right? Yeah, it's all it's all been very good. Yeah, it's very nice that I'm close to the city so I can just jump on the train and you know, be down there pretty quick. So that that's, is that's not a big deal. Yeah, right? that's really nice. So right. it's great that you were able to build up such a positive attitude going into it. What about with recovery? How has it been going for you uh, over the past two years? And like, what improvements, if any, have you noticed? Recovery, I don't, I wasn't prepared for the emotional or the I don't know the the whole aspect with all of your emotions just being so they say roller coaster, but it, yes. it really truly is. Yes. They can they can tell you that time and time again, but until you go through it, you're like you, you don't realize how how that affects you. And Correct. it truly, truly does. Yeah. It's and it's even not even something you can explain or put words to. But it's but it's real. <laughs> it's it is very much a roller coaster up and down and back and forth. And 
so yeah, recovery is not easy. I didn't, I thought recovery was harder than the transplant itself to me. Yeah. There um, you go. I, I so, yeah. would have to say the same. Really? That for you, it was the same, huh? Well, it's just been interesting. Like I, I think I'm a little younger than you. You mentioned your age a little um, while ago. And so you're, you were probably already in menopause when you went through HSCT. I was just beginning, just barely, but yeah, that threw me into menopause. Sure. I'm 52. Yeah. I'm 52 now. And I'm just a bit younger at 40. And they yeah. tell you, you know, well, your body, you're probably going to menopause. And it's like, okay. Okay. No exactly. worries. And then, and then you get there That's and it's okay. like, oh, wow. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, exactly. That you're you're not prepared for that because it just hits you and oh, that's that was like I said that was much harder than the transplant itself to me. A really and I'm sure everybody me. has different experiences, but to me that's how it that's how it went. Even with a tough roller coaster of recovery, you're saying you would do it 100 times over again? I absolutely, absolutely. And recovery for me you know, am I back to a zero EDSS? No, I'm not. I'm at, I think, a four. But I, I'm so much better than I was, and I just feel so much better than I did. So that, to me, is 90% of the battle. <laughs> That's huge. Absolutely yeah. huge, because there are so many things that are invisible about the exactly. disease to begin with. and Exactly. That's part of the challenge and even trying to name it, right? Right, exactly. You get told that it's different things that it, it, that's why it takes so long to be diagnosed because, oh, maybe it's this or maybe it's this or maybe it's like I, with me, maybe it's pregnancy, maybe it's, the, they never know. I was told my first primary care doctor said maybe, you know, it could be a brain tumor. Then they sent me to Mayo Clinic and it's not a brain tumor. It's maybe it's Lyme disease, maybe it's multiple sclerosis. They didn't know. So it's a, it is a process. Yeah. Well, and then the reversal or absence of those odd symptoms that have been with you for so long. It is. It's hard to name it and describe what is better now. It's almost like you get so accustomed to living a certain way with. That's what you, you kind of get used to. That's your that's your new normal. So to go back to feeling how you're supposed to feel, it's it, it's an adjustment. Like, wait a minute. I didn't know I could feel like this. Right. You know, I don't even remember feeling like this. So it is, it's, it is definitely an adjustment. I but love it's, that. Yeah. Cause it, it's like, I don't even know what normal feels like. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, I didn't. And I'm sure you didn't either. You don't, you don't have anything to base it on. What you have to base it on is what you've been dealing with. So that's your, that's what you've been used to. So when this brings you back to how you're supposed to be feeling, it's, it's a good feeling there. Yeah, definitely. It is. So, but it's very scary also to any, well, I'm sure you have too. Anytime I get a cold or get any kind of sickness, a, a fever, anything like that, it brings back not all of my symptoms, but some of my symptoms. And that terrifies me. That's, that's very scary to me to, to start to feel like that again. And I think, oh my gosh, I hope this is going to go away. I hope this isn't going to stay. And, you know, I am, I can be out in the grocery store and see somebody that's coughing or sneezing. And I'm looking at them like, seriously, go home. What are you doing here? <laughs> All right. Where's my mask? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm very aware of that. 
Oh, hyper aware, I think. Exactly. And I'm not trying to judge people, but it is that fear of, I really don't want to get sick. Exactly. Because it's, and I understand people are just trying to get through their days and get things done, but, but please, if you're sick, stay home. <laughs> it's the best thing you can do for everyone, including yourself. Exactly. And keep your hands clean and do, you know, all of that stuff that we all know, but you know, we had it drilled into our heads now that, you know, once you go through it, you, you. It's really reinforced. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, so aside from being a little fearful in the grocery store or whenever you <laughs> come down with a cold, are there any other doubts or reservations that you have moving forward with your recovery? Not at all. I I need to keep myself moving. I still go to physical therapy and I need to be getting myself to the gym. Not that I need to get myself there. I need to be better about getting myself to the gym and keep exercising and keep moving because it's all, it all just gets better from here. You know, it's not, as long as I know it's not getting worse, I only have positive things to look forward to. So I just got to keep myself moving. And keep up with that positive mindset. But yeah, but no regrets. No, absolutely no regrets. That's not at so all. Wonderful. So wonderful. Not at all. So what could oh, you offer you. as advice to anyone who's considering HSCT? I just hope it's hard when you talk to people, when I talk to people, because people are hesitant of it. Oh, it's still, it's still in a clinical trial. It's not, it's not approved everything. Well, it has been tested. It is, it's been used so many years, you know, for so many years for leukemia, for, for cancers and all that. It does work. I talk to the people that have actually done it. It's huge. It's life-changing. It does make a huge difference. It's, it's getting your life back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you've mentioned that a couple of times that it is life changing. So how has it changed your life? Well, like I told you before, it, I don't wake up in the morning as tired as I was when I went, you know, I used to wake up in the morning and get my kids off to school and then go back and lay down again. I was just so exhausted all the time. I, you know, that feeling of fatigue, yeah, that MS fatigue, you just, you can't explain it. You can't tell somebody about it because unless you've experienced it, you have no idea, but it's overwhelming. It's huge just to have that gone, that have that gone, have my balance better, have all of the numbness and tingling that I don't have that anymore. My hands are still numb. Actually, my hands got worse when I was in the hospital on as far as just not that they're numb, but I can't if I go to pick up something small, I can't feel if I've picked it up or not. That is one thing that got worse when I was in the hospital. But you know what? I will take that a <laughs> hundred times over, you know, in in uh, exchange for the things that I got back. Oh, yeah. A hundred times. I'm curious. Like, so have you done any work with your hands in the physical therapy? And do you do occupational therapy? you know, minimal. I did when I first got out of the hospital, I did occupational therapy for a few weeks. They didn't continue that. I don't think that they don't think, you know, it's not, it's not really bad. It's not a horrible thing, but to me, it's my writing is still involved. I can't pick up something. I, I can pick up something small. I just can't, I have to look to see if I have it in, in my fingers or not. So I, I know it could be worse and I do have feeling in my hands. I just that there's a certain sensation that is that is lacking that I don't you know if I burn my hands I can feel it if I cut myself I can feel it if I try to pick up a little 
something on the floor or whatever, I can't feel that I have something in my hand. I can't feel that I have it. I'm but sure. Like I'm I surely said, it's nerve damage. Um, surely it's nerve damage. Exactly. But if that's the trade-off, I'll take it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm curious if you could say that you've gained a superpower from HSCT, not that, you know, being unable to feel tiny things might be a yeah, superpower, no, but yeah, no, that's, that's okay. Um, you know, as far as a superpower, I can't say that, you know, it, it's not going to teach you to fly. It's not going to teach you to make yourself invisible, do any of that stuff, but it will give you your life back. Just knowing that you have the rest of your life to look forward to where before I knew it was going to bring me down. It was going to, it was going to totally take me down. And I could feel that. I always knew that. And I don't wake up with that feeling anymore. I don't feel like, uh, this is, this is going to get me. So as far as the superpower, I don't know how to answer that. I don't know. I just feel empowered that this is available, that it's there, that it's, that I was able to find it. I'm yeah. very blessed that I was able to find it and, and go through it. And it is such an amazing option that I wish more people knew about. I do too. I certainly do. So, so what about, are there any like specific resources or books that you would recommend? I mean, it seems as though your Google search helped you My find Google Dr. Search Bird. Is, exactly. And, and that led me to the Facebook group. There's several different Facebook groups on HSCT that I've joined. And to me, at least, I try to take them with a grain of salt. I, I take what I need from them. I try, you know, I don't take medical advice from other people that are on there. Because once in a while, you find somebody that is trying to give medical advice. And I don't like that. Um, but it is a source to get information and to say, you know, okay, have you ever experienced this? What did you do in this situation? And did you ever have this? And this is how I handled this. And what can you use in the hospital? Just, it's great for things like that. All the different Facebook groups are wonderful for that. And I've made, I've made some lifelong friends through the whole, through the whole process. Well, and it's great that you're serving as a resource for other hopefuls, right? That are going so, through this. Well, thank you. You as well. Yeah. Well, and it's just nice that you get to be able to show up in person, right? And talk so, to Right. People. That's nice. That's nice that I'm close to the city. So that's, that is very nice. Well, thanks for going to support Katie. What did you say so next sure. week? Um, I'm not sure. Actually, I need to check on what day she's being admitted. But so, yeah, no, I will check on that, though. But I will go down and see her and check on how she's doing. So, yeah, other than the positive mindset and feeling good and having the support of your doctors, um, is there anything else that has contributed to your success? The support of family, I think, is huge. Um Doing your own, being your own advocate, looking out for yourself, I think is huge. Keeping positive, like I said, that's huge. Um, don't ever give up. It's just, who would have thought, you know, I mean, 20 some years ago when they told me I had MS, this is an incurable disease that's just going to continue to bring you down. It's degenerative. It's going to continue to get worse. Well, who would have thought, you know, I never would have thought this would have been a possibility this is huge. This is, it's amazing. Well, and it's amazing that it's right in your back door in Chicago. That it's right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and so even going back to that diagnosis 20 years ago, what could you say now to any doctor who is newly diagnosing someone with MS? Like what should doctors keep in mind? Well, the first doctor that the, the general practitioner that I went to 
terrified me the way that he said it to me. He said, it could be a mess. You could be dead in a month. Oh my gosh. That, that terrified me, which is what made me go to Mayo Clinic. And then I found out, no, you're not going to be dead in a month, you know? And, but anyway, I thought he handled it very wrong. But if doctors just stay open to the fact that new things are happening all the time, that's, they need to stay open to the research that's happening all across the world, that new things are in the pipeline there are coming out well, yeah, be open to to new things yeah it's interesting to me that really this is a hematologist specialist exactly um, he's not ages. a neurologist yeah and so yeah it's tough to make sure that neurologists even know or that it's on their radar right because they may not be reading the professional journals of hematology Right. And you know that they've heard about it, but exactly. I think that a lot of the neurologists are, are kind of hesitant thinking about it and, oh, no, that's not a great idea. But if they do some research on it and get some more information, it's a good thing. They can help their patients. They can, they, it, you know, it's, it is, I, I guess it is a hematologist or immunologist type of work, but the neurologists can support it and see what's happening. I know some neurologists are supportive like mine was, I wish he had told me about it prior to me bringing it up, but he was supportive of it once I, once I said it to him. But I know there are other neurologists that are no way, no way, no way, don't do it. And I think that's a detriment to, to obviously it's a detriment if that's keeping people from going forward with it or scaring people out of looking into it. Right. Because if anything, it would be great if the doctor who was fearful at least took time to say, you know what? I don't know enough about that. I'm going to take some time and read some information and I'll get back to you. Let me right, Exactly. Let me, let me let you know. Well, and sometimes you want to say to the neurologist, what if this was your wife or your husband or your child? Wouldn't you want them to look at whatever possibility, you know, whatever you can do, you know, this isn't just a fly by night type of thing. This is a serious thing. It's, and it's been proven, you know, it's, it's at a world renowned hospital. It's, it's a good thing. Yeah. It's the procedure has a lot of research backing it. Exactly. So it should exactly. be relatively simple for people to find more information, especially doctors, it, it, especially doctors. Yeah, if they want to look into it. Exactly. Exactly. And I think a lot of them do know about it, but just kind of discount it. Like it, it's still, it's not FDA approved. It's still a little bit scary. Well, but you know what, look further into it and look, talk to the patients, talk to the doctors. It is working. It is helping people. It is changing lives. I know I've read stories. There are some people that it hasn't helped or that have relapsed afterward, but for the vast majority it is. It's making a difference. Whether it's whether they're seeing improvements or whether it's just stopping the disease where it is, that's worth it in itself. If you can just stop it and know you're not going to get worse, well, there you go. That's that's huge. Oh, it's a gift. That's that's definitely a gift. Well, and I I know that some, at least autoimmune even patients, receive chemotherapy for occasional treatments. And right. So it's not very different. Exactly. Exactly. Did you ever receive chemo as part of your treatment regimen in your I 20 years of living with MS? I did not. I, like I said, I was on, I believe nine of the different DMD drugs. Um, 
I tried CCSVI, which made a difference for about three or four days. Um, years ago, probably 20 years ago, so right after I was diagnosed, there was a cream called Procarin that um, was out that you put it on your arm and you know then cover it up on your arm and there was all this oh this is going to be huge it's going to make all the change and no, that didn't make any difference interesting um, so right. you just so, let it absorb through your skin right you just would put it on your wrist and and then wrap a bandage around it and that that didn't make any difference but yeah i've been i've tried many of the the drug you know the avanax beta serum copaxone tysabri tecfidera you know all of those on um, and failed them all Goodness. So, and That's... then tried the CCSVI and the Procarin and just, you're just looking for anything that's going to, that's going to save you from this. Yeah. It is such an uncertain disease. Exactly. It certainly is. Waking up every day, like you said, not knowing. Right. And just, I, I can remember waking up every day with, I mean, first of all, I would wake up so tired, but I always had an impending sense of doom. To be honest, I used to pray when my kids were young, I used to pray that just let me get through until my kids are grown. Just let me survive until my kids are grown. And now my kids are grown, you know, so. Now you get yeah. to survive and in a different way. Exactly. And I wish this had, obviously, I wish I had been, I had access to it years ago, but it, that's okay. That's, it was meant to be when I got it and that's fine. And, and I'm happy with that. And my kids, I, I was able to raise my kids and now eventually I'll have grandkids and, you know, it's all good. And I didn't know that I was going to be able to look forward to grandkids. I didn't know where I would be at that point. So I'm happy now. I don't, oh, yeah, I don't wake up tremendous. with that impending, right. I don't wake up with that impending sense of doom anymore. So, you know, you try to keep a smile on your, a smile on your face, but you always feel like, oh, this is going to bring me down. Yeah. And I don't feel that anymore. Oh, how does that feel? That's amazing. That's well, you've been through it. I'm sure you are the same way. It's, it's huge. It's, you wake up in the morning and okay, I'm ready to get on with my day. I, I can do this. It's a different kind of freedom. It's completely a different kind of freedom. Like I, I have my life back. So do you have plans for this new life? Do I, you know, my kids are just all at that age now where I have one that's out of college and two that are in college. So you know, they're just at that age where they'll start having families of their own. And I'm so excited for them for that and to be part of them with their with their families and just to experience life and just to feel good every day and to be active and be able to do things. I, I just came back last week. I just came back from a cruise that I was able to walk around and do things and just have a good time and, you know, just feel good where I wasn't exhausted. I didn't have to keep saying, okay, I got to go lay down for a while. I didn't do that at all. Wow. And that's, that's huge. That's, I never no. lay down yeah. and take a nap anymore. I never, I never have to do that anymore. That is so wonderful. Did you enjoy so some sunshine is. on that cruise? I, I did, except for we came from the sunshine back to 50 below. So Yikes. it was quite, quite a big change. Well, well yeah. And so I don't know if you experience a lot of challenge when there's a significant drop in barometric pressure or rise in temperature. Do you have issues with that post-transplant? 
you know, I always did prior to transplant. I always had the the heat and humidity would totally wipe me out. If I went outside and sat in a lawn chair for a while in the heat for for 10 minutes, then I had to hold on to something to get back in the house. I yeah, could barely wiped walk. Out. Just totally wiped out. And that doesn't happen anymore. It's still, it's, I'm not a fan of humidity, but it doesn't do that to me. It doesn't wipe me out. It doesn't, um, I can be out in the sun for a couple hours with sunscreen on, of course, but I can be out there for a while and, um, and then I'm still able to walk or to, to do whatever I'm going to do. I'm not exhausted. I'm not wiped out from it. So, so that's been a big change too, right? Yeah, so wonderful. What about other big plans? Like you talked about, uh, at least being able to get through seeing your children grow up, right? And... Seeing my children grow up. Well, and like I said, just, you know, be ready to be with my husband for the time now, you know, when my, my kids are all grown. So just get on with life with my husband and myself and have our kids and our grandkids and be able to travel and just everyday things, just get out and do things. I'm it just is. excited it's, for that. Yeah. It's, it's about just, the simple things, right? It's completely about the simple things, right? It's just being able to, you know, okay, I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'm going to do the laundry and I'm going to do that and I'm going to cook dinner. Well, it used to be, okay, I got to figure out if I'm going to do that, then I can't do this. If I'm going to, you know, I have to, I have to kind of budget my time because I'm not going to be able to do all of that in one day. And I don't have that anymore. Oh yeah. Very much like, well, this weekend I might be able to get that done, but all right. of exactly. the other things, no way. And now I have to put those on the back burner. Exactly. Goodness. It is. It's, it's, tough sometimes to slow down and recognize. Yeah. When you have a mess, it forces you to slow down and realize that you can't do it all. But then, but then with the HSCT that brought that back that I can do these things. I am, I am able to do the things that I want to do. Then realize that all that you are doing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. At the end of the day, you can check off. Okay. I did that. I did that. I did that. Like, wow, I did a lot. <laughs> Well, and sometimes in physical therapy, all suddenly a new movement will come into my reality. And it's like, I, you don't understand. I haven't been able to do that for four years. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it's it not, it's not up. that easy. It's a small thing that just shows up. Just small things. Exactly. I tried to go to a yoga class on, I've never done yoga before, but I tried to start last summer. I believe I tried to start at a yoga class. Well, it was an hour long and by the end of it, I was exhausted and I was exhausted for the next three or four days. I was, I, ugh, I was, my legs were, you know, floppy again. Like I couldn't, I couldn't rock really well. Well, when I went and talked to Dr. Burt, he's like, no, you can't do an hour, you know, start with 10 minutes of yoga, right. you know, do 10 minutes of yoga and then do that for a month. And then next month add to 15, you know, go to 15 minutes and then, the next month, go to 20 minutes. And okay, that that makes sense. You know, I can't go from nothing to doing an hour of yoga that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, well, that would kick fatigue in for anyone, right? Exactly. Especially if you're not some, used to that. Yeah, especially if you hadn't done yoga before. Right. So have you gotten back to yoga? Um, no, I have not. I'm doing physical therapy and going to the gym. I have not gone back to the yoga class now. I'm too, Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. I am at home trying to do it the online on the 
the we fit. I try to do that kind of yoga, um, but I have not gone back to a yoga class as of yet. Sure. I'll give you a resource. Uh, it's called Yoga Glow. And it's Yoga online. Glow? Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think okay. they go more by Glow right now. It's G-L-O. But, okay. Um, it's several different teachers and classes and styles of yoga, and they have five-minute classes, 10-minute classes, 15-minute, all the way up to like you can schedule sequences and like days of workshops for yourself if you wanted to. Um, oh, perfect. I'll yeah. definitely look into that. They're, they have the website. And so it's like they film real classes with real teachers and real students. And so you just throw it up on your laptop or TV and feel like so you're you can do in it, the class. And you can do it in your own home. That's great. Yeah. And it's just That's 18, great. I think it's like 14, $16 a month or something. It's the cost of okay, going to a class awesome. in person. Okay. That's awesome. That's very it's an cool. Amazing I definitely... resource. Okay. So you've been doing yoga yourself? For a long time. Actually, I just started yoga teacher training this past week. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Oh, that's very exciting. Oh, I'm so excited about it. And that's where I was asking about like in your hand, something that we really focused on in this introductory weekend weekend is learning all the, well, at least an overview of all the body parts that we'll be learning about, including the fascia, which is that like inner network webbing that connects your muscles to bones and tissues. And it's, it's everywhere. And it's a network of electricity and messaging and intelligence of the body. And I'm convinced that my fascia still carries the negative messaging from the autoimmune disease, right? Like my white blood cells that carry the messaging, those were eliminated through HSCT and the chemo, but the, the tissues and my muscles still retain that, the memories, right? Right. I get that. I still have that need to pull my left arm up and close to my body. It doesn't have to be there anymore. The disease is not forcing that anymore. My arm can move freely, but when I'm stressed or when I'm tired, that left arm just creeps right back up into that hug. Because I totally know what you mean. It just pulls in. I get that. Yeah, it's comfortable there, right? It it that, knows that's that just that's what you're safe. used to. And that's I, what you're used to. Yeah. And so I need to change that messaging that resides in my muscles and my fascia. So now how do you do that? How do you change the fascia? How do you, that's all through yoga? That's that's what I'll be learning about in this teacher training. That's amazing. That's and, amazing. Good well, for you. And there is a lot of research out there on the fascia. And I'm list, I just listened to another podcast that's really fascinating talking about it. I'll send it to you. Um, okay. Because it is this second intelligence or other third or fourth intelligence in our body that I believe that with enough movement and manipulation and just massaging, um, kind of stimulating the tissues by the fascia, say like massaging your hand, getting the fluids moving and getting the skin and the tissues to process everything in a different way to help. Yeah. Just to shift how things reside. Right. And so amazing you know, supporting your body to generate new nerve endings for your hand so that someday, maybe, maybe uh, that will, that exactly. That would be great. That would be great. Well, keep me posted on what you, what you learn with all of that. Yeah. That would be amazing. I think it is that our bodies are amazing and have amazing capacity to heal themselves. You're absolutely right with that. I, I, I agree with you on that. As we experienced, right. And exactly, exactly. 
It is quite surreal to think about how low everything becomes when you're there on day zero, right? Like how low all of your functioning truly is as a human being in your body. Right, right. And then to be where we are now. And then to build back up, right? It's amazing. Now, how long, how long post HSCT are you? I will be a year and a half in April. Okay. So, and where did you have it done? In Chicago. In Chicago as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was, um, I was diagnosed the day before I found out I was pregnant. Okay. Oh, wow. And so just focused on being healthy and practiced a lot of yoga. Actually, I was doing yoga the day before I gave birth. <laughs> oh my goodness. Really? Um, oh yeah. Well, and my daughter was full breech. So I did two manual versions. I don't know if you've ever had one of those, Uh, but it is not pleasant. Um, No. And she was very comfortable sitting straight up. So she liked how she was. (laughs) She really did. And I, I remember when she moved and I thought, you know, they say pregnant people really shouldn't do down dog or inversions, but I had been practicing regularly. So I felt like your body was used to it. Yeah. And I, I think she just really was so big and I'm not the biggest person either. And she ended up being 10 pounds even. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So she didn't have a whole lot of room. And once she moved to sit upright, she didn't, she couldn't really move back. Um, so anyway, and I, I did great and I refused medication for oh, wow. Good for you. the first three years after diagnosis because I was breastfeeding and I felt fine. I didn't want drugs in my body. Right. Right. And and then if you do take the drugs and they make you feel terrible, it's really hard to take the next dose. Or, and be a positive life model for your daughter. <laughs> right. Exactly. I, I totally get that. So I totally yeah, get- I just, anyway, um, once I started the drugs, I started a significant downward spiral fast. Um, after you started the drugs, that's interesting. Oh yeah. I started Tecfidera when it came on the market in 2013 and was on that for a year, but experiencing frequent relapses for the first time ever. And, you know, had new lesions at six months and then at a year and I'm JC positive. I am too. And they switched me to Tysabri. And I kept getting worse. And my primary care physician was like, there's something else going on. And I was like, well, I have a diagnosis. I'm on drugs. It's fine. I'll be fine. You know, because you're, yeah. you're just trying to survive and get right, on with exactly. Things. Get through day to day. And right. so she brought it up again once I started getting worse on Tysabri. And I paid the $200 for blood work to show that I have Lyme disease. I have six of the eight antibodies. Really? It only takes two to diagnose you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh uh, yeah. Overachiever here. But so, so yeah. <laughs> so then I was like, well, I'm definitely stopping Tysabri and I'm going to treat this Lyme disease and figure out what's next. And so I went off drugs. Golly, that was, I think 2015. And oh then 2016, goodness. we confirmed that I have Lyme disease and MS and that MS is usually caused by an infection. Like you said, you had mono. Um, I had mono also in high school. My symptoms started in high school, but I was also frequently rock climbing in the Red River Gorge and just, you know, surely. You could pick up anything oh from there. Oh my gosh, surely. 
I mean, it is an ecosystem in and of itself with right. plenty of mosquitoes and ticks. And I know I've had ticks on me. So Ugh. who knows, but probably Lyme disease caused the MS or caused my immune system to carry the wrong messaging, right? And attack right. itself. And so my symptoms too started in high school and I probably saw it like at least when I was 17. And so I was diagnosed when I was 32. Okay. Which is just a long time of wondering and questioning and MRIs and medicine and doctors telling you you're out of your mind. There's telling nothing you that, wrong yeah. with you. There's nothing there. There's nothing happening. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. But I never, I never did try a cream on my wrist. <laughs> yeah. The Procarin, that was, it was called Procarin. And that was, like I said, probably, uh, probably 18 years ago. I don't know, something like that, but, um, yeah, but you're right. I think that I think that there is something to do with some infection or something that we have earlier in our life. Probably some of it's genetic. Who knows? You know, if is it genetics? Is it something that we've had earlier in our life? Is it just what we've been exposed to? They say if you're further away from the equator, it, the prevalence of Lyme is, I mean, of MS is higher. Right. Maybe correlated it's a combination. With, yeah. Well, I think that's maybe correlated with the amount of sunshine we get and vitamin D. Exactly. Exactly. But maybe it's a combination of things. Maybe it's, you know, because you had mono and you were in the Red River Gorge and, you know, just a whole combination. It was just the, the perfect storm. Absolutely. Perfect storm. So, and, and, that, and that's what makes it hard to believe, though, for me why we don't have more research. I mean, I know everybody's case is different and you just almost have to be able to look back archivally through medical records of those of us, even that have received HSCT to see if right. there's some commonalities, you know, even just in terms of the mononucleosis and um, Epstein-Barr virus. I mean, exactly. why can't we be working on a vaccine for that? Why can't, why can't we take care of that? Right. You know, why now, can't research dollars be focused on correlating these common common factors so that they can be promoting more of the awareness and in, instead in of developing heist. more drugs that we're yeah. paying thousands and thousands of dollars for. Right. I mean, somebody making a difference. Right. I, I saw somebody in Mexico basically created a cure for uh, HPV. And so now we don't need the HPV vaccine. It's not as big of a deal as everybody thought. Okay, so let's put dollars toward other awareness campaigns for young people in middle and high school to really promote hand washing and, you know, not spreading mononucleosis, that it isn't not spreading the germs. You know, it was You're like right. 90 something percent of teenagers when I had mono, they were like, oh, well, like 92% of the population ends up with mono. So it's not a big deal. You'll get over it. Well, in some people, it is a big deal because it, it right. creates the that perfect environment. Storm. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. It's a That's more a... serious thing than we... Than you think. Did you re-vaccinate yourself after HSCT? No, I have not. I have not either. I'm toxic have... with heavy metals. So I don't really want any of the metals associated in the, in the vaccine shots. I agree with you. I got a tetanus shot and I questioned that whether I should do that or not, but I got the tetanus shot, but I won't go. I won't get the rest of them. I won't do a flu shot. I won't, I'm not going to do any of them. Yeah. Until I step on a rusty nail, I think I'll you hold, hold off. on that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I kind of wish I had, but um, no, I mean, that's been a year now since I had the tetanus shot and I had no, no adverse reactions to oh, that. That's and good. It, 
didn't it didn't uh, trigger anything. So I'm glad, but I kind of wish I hadn't had it. But but then it's frustrating when you know when you find out somebody has measles and they're out in public and that and again that goes back to the whole thing. If you're sick, stay home. Don't yes. don't be coming out exposing us. Right. So I'm curious, what are you grateful for about HSCT that maybe has gone unspoken? What am I grateful for? I'm grateful for, I just feel like I got a new shot at life. Like I, I didn't ever think I would have this possibility. I didn't, I just figured where they said it's a degenerative disease. It's going to continue to get worse. That was my lot in life. That was what was going to happen. That was what was going to bring me down. And now to be, I'm just so grateful for this chance that was, it was unheard of. It was amazing to me that this was even available. So like I said, I, I suspected that stem cells would somehow be an answer, but I didn't know if it would be in my lifetime. I didn't know if I would ever see the fruits of that, but I'm so grateful that, that I do and that I'm where I'm at. That's just so wonderful to have that second chance. So it is. It's, it's amazing. Thank you so, so much for sharing your story and your positive attitude. Well, thank you. And thank you for doing this podcast. This is wonderful. It's nice to be part of the grassroots family. That is the exactly. HSCT I, family. That's truly amazing that, that we are part of this, that we're, you know, it's groundbreaking. It's huge in the world of medicine. It's, it's a big deal. Now that it's growing, people are getting the word out there and getting, you know, making more contacts and getting closer. And that's what it's all about. Just letting each other know what's, what's available to us, what's out there. Now, have you, what, what, what kind of relief have you seen since HSCT? I used to have wavering. I don't know if you, some people call it vertigo or loss of balance, but I felt like I was rocking back and forth really quick all the time, but my body was not moving. It was all in my brain and all in my depth perception. Um, I had horrible depth perception. Right. Me too. Started falling down a lot, especially the like three, four months leading up to transplant. Um, the muscle tone was horrendous. Fatigue was awful. Like I'd get out of the shower and have to lay down and have to rest. Exactly. And rest that was for at least a half an hour. That and was so, me too. Like I had to get my daughter to school and didn't wake her up until seven o'clock. I had to wake up at five just so I could get myself ready. Just to plan for your day. Just so you can get to get that. her to school and then get to work on time. Yeah, it is. I used to take, I would try to take my shower at night so that I can go right to bed because I knew I'm not going to be able to get up in the morning and take a shower and then get ready because once right. I take a shower, then I'm worn out again. Yeah. So I can't do it. Yeah. So no more of that. that and that is amazing. <laughs> yeah, that is. That, I know if you haven't experienced that, you don't realize how huge that is. That's, oh, that that's is great. huge. That's a big deal. My vision has been weird lately, but I think that's just me and age and right, like my body's right. still figuring out what happened to it. Right. Oh, exactly. Like, wait, what did we just do? Yeah. My vision, um, I have, I had optic neuritis in my right eye and it still is, my vision is still not totally corrected. It's still, the damage is still there. I have a feeling the damage is always going to be there, sure. but as long as it doesn't get worse, I'm, you know, I've okay learned to that. deal with that. Yeah. So, right. You learn to accommodate. Well, and another thing that was really not even accommodatable for me was the tremor and like shocking pains that would, I just, 
I'd wake yeah, up in the middle not... of the night with a Charlie horse. Oh man, it was bad. And then and excruciating pain. That's yeah. terrible. And yeah, I had not... that excruciating neuropathy in my feet constantly. The right side of my calves were basically numb. And that was a long ongoing symptom. Um, 2015, I think my worst relapse, I felt like I'd had an epidural from the waist down. Right. I couldn't feel my legs. I couldn't feel myself going to the bathroom. I couldn't feel anything. Right. I've been there, been, been through that experience that that's come back. My feeling has come back. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. That that symptom is gone. Yes. 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 uh, No worries. Yeah. I'm, I thank you very much for everything you're doing. Yeah, that's well, it's your... just, it's a privilege to be able to talk with people and share stories. Yeah, and that's amazing that you're doing this. You're, that's a great resource for everybody that I've, I've told people about, you know, your your podcast and that to, now that I figured out how to join it, to <laughs> get a podcast. Because, Thank you. Because, like I said, I, I'm, I'm 52, so I'm like a little older than all these new technology people, so. It took me a while to figure out podcasts as well. Yeah. <laughs> No, no worries. I think it's great, though. I think it's great, though. I think it's uh, a great resource for anybody that's going through this. I hope so. Cool. I do hope that people find a resource in our conversation with you. It's well, thank been you. a delight having you. Well, thank you. It's been a delight speaking with you as well. Yeah. And yeah, if anybody wants to contact me or you, whatever, I, I'm happy to fill anybody in on any questions they have or anything I can do to help. Enjoy a phenomenal rest of the day and week. Thank you so much. I will talk to you soon. Take care. Take good care of yourself. Thank you. You as well. Be sure to visit our website, hsctwarriorspodcast.com, where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and access the latest HSCT research and resources. Special thanks to musical genius Bill Allitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. Take a moment to leave a review because your feedback will help to develop even better episodes, and your ratings will help other people find the show. Tune in next Wednesday for a brand new episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well.